This is a podcast from Rover. Continuing on with Rex Rural Exchange, the original Hamish Mackay out of the Auckland studio and out of the Palmerston North studio across from the, her farm in Pongaroa. Farmer, former parliamentary uh, journalist as well, uh, Rebecca Greaves, and of course, Mama Phoebe as well. Keeps, keeps it pretty busy. Yeah, that's a, that's a key role. <laughs> yeah, that is a key role. Our next guest is from Talano Station along the Murray-Darling River out west, uh, as Alan Wicker would say perhaps, way out west in New South Wales. Uh, you might recall seeing pictures of uh, sadly dead and dying fish in the river. That was actually on Talano. Now, Kate McBride has fought to raise awareness of the river management and what's happening further upstream. She is the Australia Institute's Parliamentary Liaison Officer, working on rural uh, water and rural issues, and has appeared, of course, across media, radio, podcast, TV shows, and we are delighted to have her here on Rex Rural Exchange. Of course, she was featured on the Australian story, uh, Cry Me a River. Uh, Kate, welcome onto the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you here. Tell us about Talano and, and what the Murray-Darling River system uh, means to the station. Yeah, so I grew up on Talano Station, which is a half a million acre sheep property in the far west of New South Wales. So um, a fair bit of room to run around in as a kid. Um, We run about 15 to 20,000 merino sheep, um, which, yeah, was a great way to grow up and everything. And it's located along the lower Darling Barker River. So the Murray-Darling Basin is, you know, a huge part of Australia and comes about 14% of our country. Um, And we're right at the bottom of the Darling River. Um, And so what that's meant is that over previous years, we've experienced, because of um, over-extraction occurring further up, dry riverbeds and also fish kills and more recently floods. Um, So it's, you know, unfortunately been a bit of the typical boom and bust that we can see in Australia, unfortunately, but... Mm. It's been a lot worse than it ever has been before. Um, growing up at Talano, you know, the river's critically important. We boundary the river and back in its heyday, Talano had one of the largest privately owned fleets of paddle steamers in the country. So it shows how important this part of the world or how much this part of the world relied on the river in the past. And unfortunately, the Aboriginal people, the Barkindji people, I've heard them say a number of times, we used to be able to get paddle steamers up here and now we can't get a bark canoe. And, yeah. you know, that sort of really paints a picture of how sad and sorry our river system is these days. Well, take us up the river then. What, 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 are, the, what are the issues here? What are the main contributing factors and, and what's the outlook? Yeah, so there's definitely over-extraction and I don't think there's anyone in yeah. Australia that would say that, you know, we haven't, we're not taking too much from this river system. Um, unfortunately, <clears throat> we haven't got a balance when it comes to our environment and communities downstream versus irrigation occurring upstream. And that's really disappointing. Of course, in Australia, we've got the Murray-Darling Basin Plan, which is a big plan that sort of is trying to remedy what's gone on um, and try and return some water to the environment. But um, we know that that's taking a long time and a lot of money and unfortunately it's sort of not achieving the outcomes it's meant to. Um, but it's like it's really as simple as we're taking too much water out of a really fragile river system and then when we do have water as well, we're not managing it very well either. We're not managing it for outcomes for the fish that rely on it. And the darling is really important for our native fish species in particular as well. And so, yeah, that footage from back in 2019 where they say over a million fish died. Mm. And there was that, you know, viral footage of my old man and one of his good friends that I took 
standing in the river holding, you know, almost meter-long Murray cod that are about 80 years old. That's the result of over-extraction and mismanagement wow. of our water. Um, wow. But unfortunately, that, you know, that went viral, that went international. We actually had a fish kill earlier this year that was 20 to 30 times as bad. They reckon 20 to 30 million naked fish oh. died in February of this year. Wow. Okay, I just... Obviously, we're not an Australian. I just want to understand this a little better. When you you talked about a couple of things that have kind of struck me, so you're talking about over extraction. So, is this specifically around obviously taking too much water? But is this to be used for irrigation of farming properties, or what is this water being used for? Absolutely, yeah, it's certainly over extraction um, for irrigation purposes. Um, You know, we see mass extraction in this country. And unfortunately, what we don't do is recognise that, you know, anyone else would think that we need flows at the bottom of the river before we can take water for irrigation further up. And, you know, irrigation has a really important role to play in Australia. Within the Murray-Darling Basin, it's actually known as the food bowl of Australia. A lot of our irrigation, a lot of our other um, sort of farming goes on within this area too. But unfortunately, we're simply taking too much. And a lot of the water is actually going to opportunistic crops like cotton, which, of course, are really water thirsty. And other big problem that we're seeing in Australia now, in the last 20 years, we've seen a 900% increase in almonds. I don't know if you guys are saying that over in New mm. Zealand, but um, you know every almond takes between four and twelve liters of water to grow. Wow, it's absolutely yeah. huge, and yeah. people don't realise. And um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, we're trying to go into almond milk to help the environment, and I sort of go, it might be like, better. No, no. Oh, yeah, okay. exactly, because um, we're draining yeah. our river system, unfortunately. So, I, uh, second, oh, sorry, Ham, I've got a yeah. follow-up question yep, here. Go. So, my next question was going to be, okay, so you've outlined what the water's being taken for and I mean you've talked about the the Murray Darling being the food bowl but obviously that stuff really relies on water and if you keep taking too much water there'll be no water to take and then it's a lose-lose for everyone but I'm curious to know the people that are taking the water or over extracting how does it work do you have to have a consent you know do, do people have a limit or is it just fill your boots Absolutely. Um, so in certain areas, unfortunately, there's a bit, you know, take as much as you want to know and really knows. There's certainly oh. cowboys, we call them, up in certain areas. In Australia, by and large, though, there's licences that people have to abide by. And if they break the rules, there's, you know, minor, minor penalties. Unfortunately, there should be a lot worse, but there are penalties. Um, so really, you know, what we've said over previous years is that it's not the individual farmer or, you know, what we are saying is a lot of multinational companies and even super funds coming up and buying a lot of water. But it's not the individual farmers or anything. It's actually the licences. It's that our governments have handed out too many licences over too long and our river just can't take it anymore. And you're, you're dead right in saying that, you know, if, if the river dies and it's a lose-lose and we always sort of say... There's no jobs on a dead river because, unfortunately, this is often painted as a, um, you know, irrigation versus the environment, and, and that's not the case. It really is an over-extraction versus everything else because within the Murray-Darling Basin, um, 10,000 people are employed by fishing. You know, tourism's worth about $11 billion. Um, so, you know, there's all these other things that actually rely on a healthy river, including, you know, farmers downstream as well needing water for their stock or even their own smaller irrigation places as well. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm sure there's not an easy answer to this no. uh, or an easy solution, but what would you like to see happen? What what what's what is the solution? What do you need to do here? 
to save the river and save the tourism and the fishing and the farming? Yeah, so we've got the Murray-Darling Basin Plan, which is a massive bit of legislation, a $13 billion plan that essentially just said we've taken too much water and we actually need to return some water from consumptive use, so from irrigation and whatnot, into the environment. And so we've got this plan that's been running for you know over a decade now. Um, it's set to end next year, um, but we're a long way off the targets that, that we actually need to be achieving. So what we actually need to be seeing is what we call buybacks over here. So, um, you know, the government sort of say, OK, we're going to buy back some water and then willing sellers can come to the government and say, we want to sell our water for this amount. It's the cheapest, it's actually the most efficient way of putting water back into the river as well. Um, and, you know, mm. there's a lot of other ways that you can sort of do it as well through infrastructure projects, but they're really complex. And sort of the science around them is kind of questionable too. So we're really pushing for voluntary open tender buybacks. So this isn't government coming in saying, we're going to take your water. This is them saying, we're willing to buy it if you guys want to come to us. And really the argument that we often hear put out as well is, you know, a farmer can sell it to their next door neighbour or, or their water, they can sell it downstream why can't they sell it to the government? Yep. Um, and I think that's really important and it is part of current government policy, which is good to see. Yeah. How, how far down the track are you with that, Kate? I mean, how close do you think that is to sort of getting some sort of resolution here so we can uh, get this incredible system back up to where it used to be? Yeah, so we actually had a big report come out earlier this week um, and the Water Minister had asked for it, sort of just asking how off track the Murray-Darling Basin Plan is Unfortunately, the report came back, no surprises to anyone, saying we're pretty off track and we're actually not going to meet the timeline for the um, middle of next year. The government has committed to continue to um, like get the water back under the Murray-Darling Basin Plan, so it won't be done on time, but they're still saying in full, which is really important. Um, you know, it's not going to solve all our problems. And with climate change, we know that these are, the water um, is going to get, you know, harder to come by and also runoff is going to be really affected as well. And particularly in, you know, such a dry continent, this is going to be, I think, a really big problem that we face moving forward. So I think even once this basin plan's done, there's going to have to be discussions on, on what happens next because, you know, we really do need a healthy river and, and it really, it's so clear at the bottom of the river. So at the bottom of the Darling and then, of course, down at the bottom of the Murray um, down in South Australia where it runs into the sea you can really see how sick these rivers are and as we're moving into a drier time um, you know we've just had a number of massive wet years we're moving into a drier time now and it'll become really clear just how much water we do need to return to the environment still. Kate we really appreciate you taking your time here just one sort of on a, on a personal note do you get back out to um, you know whereabouts your base these days you, do you get back out to the station much uh, to run around on that half, half a million acres? Yeah, so I currently um, work in Canberra um, for a public policy think tank, the Australia Institute, which is yes. incredible, but they've allowed me to be three weeks on, one week off. So it means one week a month I get to um, head out west, and I've sort of stepped away from the family property a little bit um, in recent years, but my partner lives about 100 kilometres up the road from where Tolano is, so I often get out to his property and yeah, get some dirt under my fingernails. Oh, nothing better. Oh, look, for us, us ex, <laughs> you know, us farmer types who are sort of like me, city-bound, I'm very envious of, of Rebecca Bex who gets to go home to her, her beautiful farm over on, over you on the... You, yeah. you wouldn't be too envious of it right now, no, Hamish, because you can hardly get around. We have yeah. the opposite problem right now, Kate. It's like a bog hole. Yeah. 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 yeah incredible amount of The joys of farming, isn't it? It's, sort of, <laughs> it's yeah, like it's a fe- being flooded as well. Yeah. I feel like it's often a feast or a famine. And yeah. People go, oh, you farmers are always complaining about the weather.
The joys of farming. I think that summed it up very, very nicely. Uh, it is great to chat there to Kate McBride. Um, grew up on Tolano Station there, of course, works with the Australia Institute, uh, Parliamentary Liaison Officer, and uh, bringing us up to speed with the situation around the Murray-Darling River System Basin and what needs to happen there. This is Rex Rural Exchange.